Welcome to the final episode of season one of Red to Green on cellular agriculture. We have had 13 episodes diving deeply into the topic. We've covered pretty much everything. Milk, meat, fat, fish, shrimp, and so on. And I will lead you to a couple of interesting resources and websites that can be a perfect place to continue looking into cultivated meat. Let's jump right in. Welcome to the Red to Green podcast on food innovations that are better for the planet and better for you. And I'm your host, Marina Schmidt. Now, first of all, two places which are fantastic resources are the Good Food Institute. They have lots of different reports for entrepreneurs, for scientists, for students, for pretty much everybody, <laughs> for every different target group. And New Harvest. Isha Tatar has been on the podcast in episode 12. New Harvest is a nonprofit which is progressing research in the area. And you can join their program or volunteer with them to get a foot into the industry. Also, if you are part of the Generation Z or you know anybody who is, Ala Farms has a fantastic program called the Gen Z Board. There they choose engaged young people who are interested in cellular agriculture and pushing the topic forward. They are in close contact with their Gen Z board to discuss ideas on how to increase consumer acceptance and educate people on cultivated meat. If you haven't read that book already, then I can recommend you Clean Meat by Paul Shapiro. It has been the first book on the topic and Paul was the first interview guest on the podcast in episode two. For the German listeners, there's a book called Clean Meat by Nadine Filko, which may also be worthwhile for you to check out. I also want to point you to a podcast which has helped me quite a bit in researching the cultivated meat space. It's led by Alex Shirazzi, and he is interviewing various founders and industry leaders in depth on the topic. Check out his podcast available on various platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And here is his opinion on the possibilities in Salag. We started really planning the Cultured Meat podcast and the Cultured Meat Symposium at the end of 2017. We were interested in the technology after the huge kind of PR spike from the, the Clean Meat book from Paul Shapiro. That's when we started the Cultured Meat podcast. And so we've been hosting in-person events for cellular agriculture for the last two years. And last year we had over 400 people come just to talk about cultured meat, poultry, and seafood. And so this year we are transitioning everything online. So that's one big thing that we're focused on right now is Cultured Meat Symposium or CMS 20 online. We try to have themes that match where the industry is going on a year-to-year -year basis. This year our themes are regulation, automation, and scale. And then because we transitioned online, we found it a very good opportunity to add space to that. Alex, what are less discussed or lesser known developments in cell ag? 
Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of talk when it comes to traditional foods or traditional meats. But I think one thing that's really interesting about upcoming cellular agriculture or cultured meat products is what we can do outside of the box. Really, one of the most interesting things will be what kind of new foods that have very similar nutritional profiles to the meat that we currently eat will come about. And we don't really know what these look like. And and I think that the industry is wary to actually move forward and introduce completely new products before it's available, because there might be a a disconnect between consumers and uh, manufacturers. But in reality, I think this will allow us to have very new, novel, and unique products. And I think that's one thing that hasn't really been touched. Now, along that note, there's something else that is talked about here and there, but more from like a scientific standpoint. And that's the idea of tailoring the food or even the meat that you consume to your specific nutritional profile based off of Mm. your body, your own, not just preference, but kind of like health needs. How would the personalized nutrition look like? Are these additional vitamins in the meat? Because I mean, what what would be amazing would be to have more fiber. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. And when you think about what we can do with food science in general, we can make sure that even when we're adding these different nutrients or elements, then we could also adjust the taste profile as well. A great example, actually, that came out from the second episode of the podcast uh, was from Dan Lining. And he used a great example that, you know, we add iodide to salt. And so there was a Mm. deficiency. So we added it. And now it's a very, very standard thing. We might see that with cultured meats coming into market in different ways, of course. Now you'll hear from Ahmed Khan. He is the founder of Cell Agri, which is the one-stop shop for information on cellular agriculture. On their website, you will find a free opportunity to advertise a job that you have or to possibly look for a job that could be interesting and relevant for you, as well as industry reports and news on latest investments. He will share a few insights from an investment report that he is working on. Applications for SALAG, which are extremely valuable, but are often under the radar, and what needs to happen for the SALAG industry to be successful. What do you think is a less discussed or lesser known development and cellular agriculture? Yeah, that's a really great question. When you listen to what, what's coming out in the media a lot these days, you would think the only application of cell agriculture is only on the food side and the food technologies. But the reality with cell culture technology, we can explore so much more than just foods. We can go beyond what we can imagine today, like biomaterials. Mm, yeah, and Geltor is doing the gelatin, right? Exactly. So like Geltor is a great example there. When Geltor was still at IndieBio, their prototype was a showcase of they could use Mastodon collagen to make a gummy bear candy. That just showed the, the wild applications of what this technology could do, bring back literally Mastodon collagen to make a new type of gummy bear, talk about the um, old school diet. Then after that, they highlighted that developing 
a sustainable animal-free collagen could be used really well in cosmetics. I jumped right into that space. The original plans was for the, towards the end of 2020 to enter the food space again. So let's see if they actually do that. But they definitely found a really great market in the cosmetic side with their animal-free collagen. Mm-hmm. I think it was in 2018, actually, they won one of the beauty industry's top awards for most innovative product. And that was back in 2018 when cellular agriculture was still only a handful of companies. Yeah. Does anything else come to mind that you find isn't being talked about enough in terms of uh, salag? This is probably a bit more technical, but in terms of everything you hear about the field so far, everyone making the next cell-based food or cell-based meat, there's still a lot of um, technical hurdles and obstacles we still need to overcome. Something that does excite me about the future for this field is the emergence of new players just focusing on the field's emerging supply chain and value chain, not focusing on making everything from the meat in the lab bench scale all the way to the commercial process, but come up with tools and ingredients or even provide services to help those companies get to market faster in the long term. Newer companies will be able to use some of these value chain and supply chain players to get to market. I think that's something that doesn't really get discussed too much in this field. Many of the early players in the field, not out of choice, but out of necessity, had to be entirely vertically integrated, trying to do everything in-house, right? Make their own cell lines, try to make their own cell media formulation, even to their own bioactive designs, because there's no one else really looking out there for applications of those technologies for food development. And now, since the field has grown globally, we're seeing a lot more players come up looking at addressing these key pain points in the field's emerging supply chain. Mm -hmm. And what have been your insights on the investment landscape? One of the things I've worked on with Agri is an upcoming market report series highlighting all the investments in the field to date, as well as addressing some of the key pain points the field will need to address in order to scale and help us get from lab bench scale all the way to market. The report series will be coming out later this year. If you just looked at the media overview of what the field is, you'd think all the money and all the investments have simply been in cell-based meats. But up until 2020, that really wasn't the case. Up until 2020, all the investments had mostly been into biomaterial applications of cell agriculture or into acellular food products, something like Perfect Days, animal-free dairy proteins, for example. In January 2020, when Memphis Meats first announced the giant Series B funding round, that funding alone more than doubled all the investments to date in cell-based meats. That just highlights how the cell-based meat field, while getting a lot of traction and lots of progress, in terms of investing, it's still a lot smaller than every other application of cell agriculture to date. Unless you really break down the numbers, you don't see that. But starting in 2020, we're starting to see more investments from companies that previously raised seed rounds, now looking for the Series A and onwards to make the future of food with that technology. Absolutely. So beforehand, the most investments were not flowing into cultivated meat, but into that's right. related areas. Exactly. So yeah, that, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Cell-based meat investments have been growing year over year, but up until start 2020, that, that number was a lot smaller compared to the overall cell agriculture investment ecosystem. When 2020 began with the large Memphis Meat Series B funding announcement, that total funding more than doubled. Interesting. Yeah. Um, where do you see cellular agriculture headed in the next five years? That's a great question. I think moving forward, the field will definitely need to start making more partnerships with either distributors on the food side all the way to 
pharmaceutical companies, helping them with their scaling challenges ahead. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the biggest obstacles for the field? Beyond just the technical hurdles that through partnerships, I believe the field will eventually overcome, I think it's just going to be the public perception of this field still. When, when you look at novel technologies in general, communication is really important. And that's even more so when it comes to food technology. It's not just how this novel technology works and how it's made. The key question of why, why are companies and scientists around the world looking to make food from cells directly? What's wrong with our current system? In that regard, communications will be a key obstacle for the field moving forward. Context is everything, and it matters so much more with food. Yeah, people are very suspicious of technology and food being combined due to it being so intrusive. I have good friends of mine who even work in sustainability. And then I see them eating ready-made meals with obviously the cheapest meat you can get because they're not going to put fancy meat in ready meals. (laughs) The whole thing just made me question how much we can actually move people towards plant-based diets. Because I realized if these are my close friends and with all of my arguments, with all of my health talk, with all of my sustainability talk, nothing is changing, right? For me, it just reinforced that cellular agriculture is likely the only way to long-term shift the diet of people towards a more sustainable path. 100%. I totally agree with that point there. If we look at emerging trends and predictions of the future, the demand for meat will almost double by the year 2050. And the amount of people who want to eat meat, that reflects that people want their animal products and alternatives to animal products like plant-based alternatives won't be enough to meet that demand. We're going to need to have more options on the table. Another point that you just mentioned was the idea of labeling and is this meat artificial or is it real Mm. meat? If you look at a piece of meat we would could buy at a supermarket today and try to break it down, you would mainly break it down into three parts, the muscle, the fat cells, and some connective tissue like collagen, for example. Uh-huh. Under a microscope, a cell-cultured piece of meat would have the exact same components. There's no distinction there of what's the difference between the conventional piece of meat and the cell-cultured piece of meat. At the end of the day, they're both animal products, one harvested from an animal and one grown from the cells of an animal. This season has been such a learning journey. This is not the end. No, it is the start of a new chapter. In the next season, we are gonna dive into plastic. 30% of all plastic waste is actually related to packaging. And the majority of that is made up by food packaging. Let's join forces and move the food industry from harmful to healthy, from polluting to sustainable, from red to green.